Hey, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Doing well? Very good. I'm glad you are right now. No, you're going to get better, I promise you. Hey, we have an exciting new ministry popping up in a, couple, in a week. It is actually for our fourth through sixth graders. We're calling them alphas because they're the alpha generation. We've run through every other generation. Generation Z is, is done, and now we're right back around to the alphas. So during first service, uh, starting March 3rd, 9 a.m., at technically they're, they're going to come in for worship, and then they'll go out into the cafe. They're going to take over the cafe area. But don't worry for some of you latecomers in worship. You'll be able to go out and get your coffee like you always do. It's just going to be through the side door instead of in the cafe. So just d don't worry. Don't, don't have a fit. Or you could get here earlier. I mean, it's up to you. Just whatever. That's an option. <laughs> so anyway, so we're, it's specific, specifically for that, that, that group, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, who uh, we just want to minister to. There's a lot of them coming, and uh, we're so happy about that. So uh, yeah, it's an exciting new ministry popping up. So um, if you have children that are in that age, age frame, age range, please bring them to the 9 a.m. service so that even if you drop them off and you're like, no, I'm dropping you off, I'm coming back later, I'll be at the 1045, we want them to actually stay and serve and learn how to be servants of the Lord, true disciples as well. So uh, we are also rather speaking of alphas, now I'm just, I'm just going to prompt this a little bit, and I'm hoping the men in here will do a better job than they did last service. Where are my men at? Dang. How about this? Where are my women at? <laughs> this is sad, men. <laughs> where are my men at? <laughs> the women still got you. But anyway... Those of you who really gave it your best, hey, we have a, uh, a conference at Gateway coming up, a men's conference at Gateway, and, and you'll learn how to roar a little bit more. And that's going to be April 25th and 26th, Thursday night, all day Friday. It is a blast. Let me tell you, it is a, a lot of fun throughout the whole conference. It's intense. There's a lot of a preliminary kind of pre-conference games and events and things going on outside, a lot of cook-off, uh, uh, barbecue cook-offs, and, and, and all free once you've, you've paid to get in. And then there's uh, uh, car shows, et cetera. But I need to say this, that we have those tickets for sale right now for $95 per ticket. If you go online to get them through Gateway, they're going to be 135 So buy them with us. Uh, please don't wait. I've already been rallying men around this this morning, and they're already logging in to buy, pre-purchase these. And so we have 30 that we paid for. Last year, we thought we could wait till the end until all you guys who like to procrastinate finally came in, and then we would buy them. They were sold out. And so thankfully, we made a, we made a, a little a push, an email, and the men's pastor there Call, uh, emailed us back and said, hey, we want you guys to be there. We're, we're going to open up 20 seats for you, so thankfully. But they said, that's not going to happen next year. So we, we have our tickets, but you need to buy yours to make sure that you have one. So I really want you to join me in that. Uh, and so anyway, there's that. You can go online to livewithpurpose.church. You can look at the events. You can go to our church center app, look in the events there, and you can register there and pay there. So uh, all right. So we are in our, our, our uh, series called Pain to Purpose been getting a lot of great feedback from you. It's like, man, God has really, really been using this, really been challenging. I, saw, no, I noticed some areas where I've struggled, and I didn't even know that those were areas of my life that, it, that God was paying attention to. Isn't that great? 
because he's never done with us and you haven't failed anything. You just yet to prove that part of the test. And, and yet we'll, we'll have to continue to prove and pass those tests. And so that's okay because it gets easier as we go. The tests to continue to come around, this test we're talking about today will continue to come around because the more you grow in this area, the more the challenge, the more difficult it will become because you'll start to see things a little bit differently. Now, we've talked about the pride test. We've talked about the pit test. We've talked about the palace test. We've talked about the purity test, the prison test, the pro sorry, the uh, prophetic test. And we talked about the power test last week. And if you haven't watched those, you can go back and, and watch those online at our, our Facebook or our, our YouTube channel. But these are tests that God is continually testing us and trying us so that he can prove us and prepare us ultimately for the purpose that he's designed us for. And what hinders us up and what hangs us up is, is a lot of times the pains, the pains of life, the pains of the past. And, and sometimes it's the pain of the test. And so we are overcoming our pains of our lives through humility, and he, we start to grow an awareness of these tests, these areas that he's testing us, and realize, oh, some of the pains in my life were just tests, and I took them wrong. I, I misinterpreted what the test was. And so now that we're mature, we're growing, and, and you know, we, we have the know-how, okay, well, let me take that test again, and, and I, know what, I know what the answer is already, and God gives us scripture for the answers. And so we just have to apply them by faith. So today we're talking about the prosperity test. The prosperity test. We all take this. Uh, you, you've, you probably took it this, this week or, or you'll take it next week. And every time you get paid, you take this test. Every time you have an increase financially, uh, you take this test. And God is testing our heart in this area to see, does it belong to him or does it belong, are, are, we, are we selfish or selfless? Are we giving back, returning back to God what belongs to him and are we living this life his way? And this is a test that everybody loves to talk about. This is everybody's favorite. By the way, when you talk about this, people say, I'm going to church because I want to talk about that. <laughs> no, said no one, said no one ever. But, ex except the people who understand the principle behind it. But simply put, God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing to others for the sake of reaching, so for the sake of reaching them for him. Last week we finished the reason he blesses us and he blesses, and he clearly says that he blesses also with wealth, why? So that he can, he can establish his covenant. He wants to establish his covenant with the lost folk, with the lost people. Guess who was lost before? I was lost. You're lost. You were lost. Some of you are lost in some ways right now. <laughs> you, you know, you're. And, and because somebody was generous at some point and, and understood this principle, then somebody else influenced your life, and yet now, you come, now you've come to Christ because they understood this principle, and so here you are. Well, that's what he wants for through all of us. And so he shows us this throughout the Bible, but in Joseph, the story of Joseph in which we're watching, he shows us this principle as he acclimated, God acclimated Joseph into a place of authority. And so the reason he does this, he wants to send out missionaries. He wants to develop his kingdom. He wants to develop his church. He wants to grow his church. He wants, to, uh, he wants families to be healed. He wants the, the body to be resourceful in all, in all ways and all capacities. He wants the kidnapped to come home. He wants, he wants uh, you know, all of the issues of life to be resolved 
and he wants to do it through his children, but he does it supernaturally as we obey his principles. And so God wants us all to sow into the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we seek things, we think, when we interpret it in such a way, especially when we're young and we haven't developed in this area, we seek it as something we can get. Because we hear all these things will be added. But it's really, how much can I give away? Seek ye first the kingdom all of his, in his righteousness. That means i got to let go of some of me in order to seek his righteousness. And I'm seeking him. I'm letting go of my stuff. I'm letting go of my way. I'm letting go of my will. I'm letting go of my thoughts. I'm going, letting go of, here's what I think it should say, type attitude. And when I lay that down, now I'm, I'm prepared and I'm fertile ground for him to be, bring all the things that he has for me to have anyway. So, therefore, we, we continually take this test. The test is... Whom are you going to place first when you receive any financial or monetary increase? That's the test. Whom, who's first? Not who's on first, but who's first. So if God is not first in this, to you in this area, then it's going to be hard for anybody to help you to get any other area of your life in order. Because your heart's not in it. Because where, where, where the treasure is, where your treasure is, so too is your heart. So if I've placed my treasure back in the hands of God saying it's all yours anyway, well, my heart also is connected to that, especially if it is a heart of surrender and yield and humility and not of a, well, if you give me this, then I'm going to give you this. He's not a negotiating God. He's a, you follow me by faith, whether you understand it or not, and I'll do the rest of the work. In fact, all the worship songs you sang, I told them this morning, I said, you basically just preached about what God does through the tithe, and you didn't even know it. And you guys were declaring it back to God, saying it, and you were in agreement. Now it's just the gap between agreement and it actually happening is learning how to appropriate faith according to his principles, and that's what we're talking about. So if we make it really easy if we'll just not try to complicate it. But if we, if we, if we can pass these tests continually and re- reveal that God is number one, then he will move us into our place of purpose, but ultimately a, a place of influence, which has a lot of purpose connected to it. And many people, until understanding this principle, will say, well, God is first in my life. But the Bible would say, okay, that's proved by returning the first of your increase back to him. So in Genesis 41, 33, we, we left off here, and we're picking back up, and verse 33 through 36, and it says, This, now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Now this was Joseph because Joseph had just interpreted two dreams that Pharaoh had that were concerning uh, Pharaoh. And verse 34 says, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. Because there was going to be seven plentiful years and then seven years of famine. And let them, let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Verse 36, then that food shall be as a, as a reserve for the land for the seven years, the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. And so, so having navigated these previous tests, Joseph has now found himself in a place of influence. He has interpreted a dream 
and for, for Pharaoh, and he no longer had this, hey, remember me, what are you going to do for me type attitude. He wasn't using the gift that God gave him for himself. Instead, he was using it for whatever God had purposed it for. Pharaoh sees this, God sees this, and he says, okay, because of that, Pharaoh recognizes the wisdom and the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of God in Joseph, and Pharaoh says, I want that man leading my, my, my nation. And so, so God actually has worked through Pharaoh to position Joseph. And can I tell you, God can do that with you also. He can work through an ungodly leader to put you into position because God knows he has your heart and you'll, you'll use that position for the kingdom of God and not your own, your own benefit. And so no matter who you think is over you or in your way, ultimately it is you passing these tests that helps you, to, improves you, and passes you into a position and prepares you so that you can be in the place of influence even in the presence of an ungodly individual, boss, employee, leader, whatever it is. And so, so, in, so now the influence that Joseph has is to extend and be, extend the kingdom and the influence of God into the region, this region of Egypt and really beyond the world. Because at, at this time, during the famine, all the world is being supplied food and re resources uh, by Egypt themselves because they had the wisdom that God gave Joseph to reserve. Okay, so you can see that when God knows his kids are going to humble their hearts, he moves us into a, this position of influence, this position of, of, of being able to further his kingdom. We've got to grasp this before we move forward because this is a supernatural understanding. It's a spiritual principle. It's a by faith understanding. I don't know how it works. I know God is good and know how you, he works all things out for my good and for his purposes. And so I'm just going to be obedient to, by faith. And so we see, we see in Genesis 47, 26, Joseph has been positioned and now he's about to make some decisions that he has the authority to make. It brings influence for, his, for God's people, and he's about to start to implement something that his, great, his granddaddy, which is our father of faith, Abraham, had actually started. In verse 26 of 47, it says, And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So all of the one-fifth of it became Pharaoh's, but there was a piece that would go to God's people. And there was a piece that would bring influence in back to the priest so that the priest could minister to God and to the people. This is interesting because he's starting to, there's an implementation right here of the tithe. This wasn't an Egyptian principle. This was a principle of God that Joseph was implementing in this lost world to empower and to further the kingdom of God. So one-fifth goes to Pharaoh except for the tithe, that which goes to furthering God's purposes. That, that, that part, that portion would go to God. And the number one reason that people will tell me that they don't tithe is they'll say, Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. And here's what I tell them back. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you start to tithe. And the reason you can't tithe is because your finances are under a curse and it's being taken anyway. And so it's keeping you in a place or a position to not be able to tithe. You see how this faith works? Faith means not when you're ready to do it or it makes sense to do it or you're adequately supplied to do it. Faith means you do it trusting that God is going to be God and you've tested him when he said to test you. 
and then he responds. You leave space for him to respond. But you do it from a humble and a surrendered heart. And so you'll never be able to afford the tithe until you tithe. Until you tithe, you're making room for a curse, which, will, which you will be under the curse. And this is what Scripture says. And that's not because God is placing a curse on you. It's because we lived in a cursed world. And tithing removes the curse. The curse. So every time you start to get ahead, and now I've, sort of get, now I've got some money in my savings, and now I'm starting to get it, boom, something messes up. Something breaks down. My engine's going out. My tire's flat. My... And all the money that you had in savings, there it goes. I was just now getting ahead, and I thought, well, maybe I'll start tithing since I have savings. No worries. Your tithe just went over here to the devourer because it wasn't ble- you're, you're, you weren't blessed. This is the cycle, and many of you, you, you know it. Like, yep, that's what happens, Pastor. Yep, yep. Well, you, you have faith in that. <laughs> How about have faith that in advance, I'm going to tithe instead, and I'm going to trust God with the rest. And so I really, I, I have to tell you, I really have a burden for the body of Christ to get this. One, because I've watched my family be so blessed in generations, uh, generationally, I, and I teach this into my kids' lives. But I, it, it's, it doesn't make sense that we have an all-powerful God. We have a God that has all everything, everything belongs to him, but he has children who are heir who are broke. It makes no sense. And I mean emotionally broke. I mean spiritually broke. I mean physically broke. And yes, okay, all those things can, will, and will lead to financially broke. But I can tell you this, once you start to trust him with the tithe and your emotions get healed, and he gives you create, creativity beyond yourself, and he gives you strength beyond your own natural strength, and he gives you influence beyond your own ability to manipulate any situation, which you'll have to keep on manipulating unless God does it, then he puts you in a place where you can be resourceful and, be, and, and start to earn more resources that's, that's, that's the life I want. I was talking with a, a man right after this first service. He came up to me and says, I got to tell you a story because when you said X, I'll tell you later, he said, it reminded me. He said, I went home one day. I, I'm, I had a new job, and I was trying to figure out new software that they implemented, and I went home Friday frustrated thinking, I'm just going to quit. I can't figure this out. He said, I, I came in, brought my tithe in on Sunday. He said, Monday I got up, and he said, what would have taken me three hours, he said, I felt like God put his hand on my hand and controlled the mouse, and it's like everything made sense to me on Monday morning. You can't manipulate and make that up. This is the favor of God on an individual who has his heart surrendered and yielded to, yielded to God, saying, I'll do it your way. I'll do it your way. And God said, okay, then I'll do it through you. That's, what you, that's even what you're saying this morning during worship. All right, so Malachi 3, 8 and 11 says this. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, what you talking about? I ain't robbed nobody. I got no pistols. I got no knives. I got no nunchucks. My son wants to learn how to use nunchucks. <laughs> In what way have we robbed you? And God simply says, well, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9. Verse 9. Verse 9. So a tithe, a tithe is 10%. It's 10%. It's a test. The 10 is always a test. That's why there's 10 tests of Joseph. There's 10 tests that God worked through Moses towards Pharaoh to release, to deliver his people. There's 10 virgins, and they were all tested in the New Testament. You see the parable. Everywhere you're seeing 10 throughout the Scripture, there's a test. Tithe is just a test. It's a test of your heart to see does it belong to God. God says, actually, test me now in this. You'll see it in just a minute. He says, test me. You, here's a place where you can test me. 
You can actually test God. And here's what, here's what God will do also. He'll, once you start to test God, and you're probably nervous a little bit about it, especially at first, and he'll, he'll bless your little tithe. And sometimes because your heart is so geared towards finance rather than your emotions being healed and your marriage being healed, etc., he may bless you financially, and you're like, oh, great, this actually works. It's like you're going to a slot machine. But then it'll come into this long drought because now he's testing you back. He's testing to see, will you continue to do it when you feel like you're not getting even any favor? However, what he's doing is working these other nine tests through your life to see if he can actually bring the favor that he actually, he actually has designed for you and has waiting for you. Will you continue to be faithful even when you don't see a return yet? Oh, that's what it is, Pastor? I should have just... Yeah, you should have kept on. And he says, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You see, when, when, when God's children start to use his resources and use his resources the way he designs, he starts to bring influence and change into communities, into areas, into people. First. It all starts with the individual and then into nations. He says, you robbed the whole nation. How did I rob the nation? Well, you didn't even bring in your tithe. I'm just one person. He can do a lot through one person. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What he's talking about? And the ability to minister to many people. And try me now in this. this in another version, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not, here's what we all want, open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Well, that's a problem I'd like to have. I, I'd like to figure out how, more I can, how many ways I can invest money in different places so that I can make sure that it's stored because it just won't fit in my, in my house anymore. But if we're going to, uh, sorry, and how, we have many people here, I can tell you, that grasp this. They, they understand. They understand where their finances and their resources and their favor and their position and their you know, influence that actually comes from. They get it. And because of that, we're able to, as a church, bless many people. Many of you are blessed because of the ministry that goes on that comes from the resources, the ties of other people who come in here. And as, as we grow and we develop as spiritual people, we have to understand that, you know what? I can't be a taker. I can't be one who's always receiving, receiving, receiving. I need to also be returning, returning, returning what already belongs to God. And so he says, try me now in this. And the one place he wants, to test, wants us to test him is in the tithe. See if he will not open the windows of heaven. And then here's the good news right here for some of you who keep finding trials and troubles. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He says, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Some of you are working and working and working and you're tilling and tilling and tilling and you're getting it and you're getting it. You're like, man, I'm doing all I can to make money, but it seems like there's not enough money at the end of the month. i got more months than I have money every month. What's going on? I think I've got this big increase, and it seems like it's really coming in. But for some reason, when I turn around, my bills are getting higher. My stuff, I have stuff breaking down. My kids are getting sick, and my family's getting sick. I got, have more food. I don't have enough money for food. You hear the devourer on your, this is what happens. This is what it looks like. I thought I had it, but for some reason it's gone. This is, 
This is because the devourer has not been rebuked off of your finances and your family and your home and anything that you're involved in. Why? Because of the tithe. It's a trust factor. He says you're, you're cursed if you're not tithing, but God is not cursing you. We lived in a cursed world, and when we start to return the tithe back to God, he says, okay, now I can remove the curse from you, and I can p- place my favor upon you. It's that simple. It really is that simple. God is saying, I would like to redeem your finances from the curse, but you'll have to honor me with the first 10%. Some say, well, I, you know, and here's how he tests you. He opens up your bank account. Did the, ten, did the first come to me? No. He opens up your calendar. Do I come first in their lives? No. He'll see where your heart is. He opens up your heart because he tests all heart. And, we're, and, and if those things aren't in order, then he's not first. But he wants to be first. Number, so I'm going to tell you about the principle of first. Exodus 13, 1 and 2 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and beast, it is mine. Uh, let's go back. Okay, it, it consecrate to me, it is mine. Verses 12 and 13, sorry, we had it. Verse 12 and t- 13, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But the every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you'll sh- you shall break its neck. I want to show you a picture here. Because we're coming up on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, and the weekend before, we call Palm Sunday. I'm waiting for you to respond. You're going to see it. Jesus comes riding, riding in on a donkey. You see, we're the donkey. And he redeemed us because he's the lamb. And so the principle, yes, thank you, Jesus. So the principle is... You redeem the unclean with the clean. And if you don't, you might as well just break its neck. So here's the principle, here's the, here's the, here's the rest of it. What's clean, does it, what's clean must be sacrificed. And what's unclean must be redeemed by a sacrifice. And whatever you give is already blessed. And whatever you don't give will be taken. You might as well break its neck because it's going to be taken anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And Jesus was the firstborn of the brethren and he redeemed all the sons. And this principle is driven down all through every all through the scriptures to show us God must be first he wants first and because of all that he has done it should be no problem to say no problem you get the first and so number 1 here the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed must be sacrificed or redeemed and and I want you to look at how this I just showed you it points to Jesus and the question here is, did, were you born in this earth, in this world, clean or unclean? To help you with that, did anybody ha- teach you how to be disobedient or you just, I'm just... <laughs> yep, I was there already. Yep, not a problem. 
But Jesus was born clean. And Jesus went to the cross to redeem that which was unclean. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We were all born into sin, but Jesus was born clean. And Jesus is the first fruit offering, meaning God's tithe was Jesus. He gave first by faith for an unclean, to redeem an unclean people. He, by faith, gave something that was clean. Can I tell you that first 10% cleans the 90? The whole part, the whole portion becomes clean because God lifts the curse off of it when we just return back to God what belongs to him. And it takes faith to give the first 10%, but God gave Jesus in faith. And we follow God, not our own desires, not our own will, not our own wants. While humanity was yet sinners, God gave Jesus. And so 90% was ble- that God's blessing will go further than 100% without it by far. Number one was the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Number two is first fruits must be offered, must be offered. I'm bringing an offering. Exodus 23, 19 says, The first fruits of your land you shall bring. I'm using proper words. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating them a little bit so you're grasping. You must bring into the, the house of the Lord your God. And notice when it talks about tithing, it never talks about giving. Now, the, the reason is God always talks about bringing or returning now, as you see in our ways to give uh, graphic, or ways to give graphic, it says ways to give. We just thought, well, it probably would be a little bit offensive if we told you, here's ways you can return. But in reality, that's what you're doing. When, when we bring in a tithe, you're returning a tithe because it belongs to God anyway. You're not giving anything. Because if, if it were yours, you would give. But because it's his, you're just returning. So for marketing purposes, we thought, well, we better not put ways to return. They'd be offended. What do you mean? It's, it's what God says. It's <laughs> so return back to him. And so ways to give, and in fact, that the 10%, the first 10%, you're returning. However, anything above 10%, that's when you start to give. Because you're giving out of gratitude of your heart. You're gr- giving out of humility. And sometimes, and a lot of times, he will, the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you. He says, hey, I want you to give in this area. I want you to give towards this. I want you to give for that. Or I want you to give over to this, this ministry. Well, that goes above and beyond the tithe. The tithe comes into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? Where you get ministry. In the house which God ministers to you and you frequent and you're, you're feeding off of. And so he doesn't say it's cool to give 4% over there and 5% over there. No, he says 10% into the storehouse. So there be food plenty, meaning there's plenty of ministry. Not only for you, but for everybody who comes through here. And if you give in other areas, that's great. Just above the, above the tithe. When the Hebrew children finally came out of the wilderness after 40 years of circling the mountain. Could you imagine circling the same mountain for 40 years? After 40 years of being in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, when the Hebrew children finally crossed the river, a generation had to die because of the hardness of their hearts. A generation had to die, and they're going across into the promised land, and God tells them this. He says, of the first city that you take, I want all of the spoils, meaning I want all the treasury, I want all the valuables, everything everything from that city, I want you to bring it. Where did he say bring it? 
into the house of the Lord, into the tabernacle. I want you to bring it to me because it's mine. And they go in and they destroy Jericho, which was the first place that they went into. And how did they do it? Not by, not by force, but by the creative wisdom of God. Circling the city, circling the city, circling the city. God was fighting the battle. You sang that this morning. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. You're preaching the tithe principles. And so he goes in, they go in, they destroy, God actually destroys it before them, destroys Jericho before them. They take all the spoils, and most all of them take the spoils back to God except for one family, Achan. Oh, they go and hide it under the, under the, under the rug. And then they go into this little city like Murchison, AI, and they get destroyed by Murchison. You're like, what just happened? How did this little bitty town... This little bit dot on the map defeat us when we just defeated Jericho. How could this possibly be? There's sin in the camp. They realize that somebody didn't bring all of the spoils back to the Lord. And so they had to remove Achan. In fact, you know, they, they killed him. He had, to, he had to go. You can't be here anymore, anywhere at all. Return those spoils back to the house of the Lord. And then from then on, they begin to destroy. God actually fights every battle for the people. And this is what he wants to do for you, is fight the battles before you. But your heart has to be surrendered, and he has principles on how your heart is revealed to be surrendered to him. He didn't say, okay, you're going to go fight ten cities, and if one of those, whichever you choose, I would like for you to give me the spoils of one of those. No, the first. And I want it all. So no, 5%, the first 5%, no, I want 10%, and I want, I want the first. So he was showing them if they, would, if they would give him all the first, he would fight before them. And this is good news. And God has given some people in here the, an extra, the gift of extravagant giving. But because we struggle with the tithe, he's not been able to pour out the creative, creativity, the resources, the finance, the influence to add up on the account so that you can be extravagant givers. You know, the, the amount of money that you have or make does not, does not di- dictate that you have a spiritual gift of giving. Because the, the, the lady with a couple of mites gave away, she had a spiritual gift of giving. It was a heart, an attitude of the heart that what, God, what matters to God matters to me. And no matter the cost, I'm willing to do whatever he asks. That, that's the gift of giving right there. And so Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with all the first fruits, with the first fruits of all your increase. So many people say, I have this question. What do I tithe from? How do I know what to tithe? And I'll, I'll say this. Well, did you have it before? No. Do you have it now? Yes, that. What you didn't have before, that's what you tithe from. That's from all of your increase. All of your increase. So that, Why? So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with, can I get an amen on new wine? <laughs> vats full and overflowing. But that's pretty good for a little 10%, isn't it? The answer is yes. That's really good. That's really good for 10% because you couldn't buy that for the, with the 10%. Oh, the firstborn must be sacrificed to redeem. The first fruits must be offered. And the, number three, the tithe must be first. Leviticus 27, 30 says, Then all the tithe of the land, whether this, of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. In fact, 
your tithe that is in your bank account right now that is yet to be released to God is actually holy to him. And so when you say, what do we tithe from? Well, the question, what do you want to be blessed? What portion of your finances do you want to be blessed? Do I tithe, or maybe it's, do I tithe from the net or the gross? Do I, do I tithe before taxes or do I tithe after the government takes my taxes? Let me ask you this question. Would the government ask you and say, hey, tithe first and we'll just, we'll just tax you off of anything that's re- re- remaining? No. You earn the whole amount, even what is taxed or removed by taxes. So the whole amount is what we tithe off of. However, if you, when you tithe and you also pay taxes and you get a tax return, it's not, re- it's not required by God to tithe off of the tax return because it's already been tithed off of all year long. And another, another principle, if you have a business, do I tithe on the business or do I tithe personal? Well, only by, by God's ordinance, it's, it's personal. But anything that you benefit personally and live off of, it's increased to you, and so you would tithe off of that. But the business is not required to tithe. But I would say, we're going to run our business in a godly way, with godly principles, and integrity. And even when I could cheat in business, I'm going to do it honestly anyway. It's not legalism, though. Because if, let's say... Allie goes and gets her nails did, and our tithe, we, we do automatic withdrawal, and we give, we give some time for our check to, checks to come in, and then it's already, it's already it, will, it will withdraw. But it's already set. So it's already set. It's not an argument with me of, am I going to do it, am I not going to do it, how much I'm going to, it's already set. No problem. So if she goes at 8 a.m. on the 1st. And gets her nails did. And has to pay. It doesn't mean our tithe went to the nail lady. Because it's already set aside. However, if at the first of the month you're writing mortgage checks, electric bills, water bills, and then after that you're writing what's left of bills, tithe checks, then your, your tithe, your first, went to the mortgage the lender. We tithe off the first. So write that check out first, set it aside. Okay, now I can write mortgage. Now I can write electric. Now I can write water. But my tithe, God's going to get my first because I want him to bless the rest of this stuff. I want my electric bills to go down supernaturally. And God will search our hearts, our bank accounts, our calendars. He'll search everything to see if he's first. He's monitoring. You got a, he's got a dashboard of you. Not because he's trying to fail you. Not because he's a, he's a, a religious and rote God. It's because he's trying to get your heart so that he can mobilize you into a place of influence, of resourcefulness, and of adventure of a lifetime. Exodus 30, or sorry, 13, 14 says, So it shall it be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is this? You shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of, the, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass that when Pharaoh was stubborn in letting us go, about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborns of the land of Egypt, but the first, both, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast, be, uh, beast. 
Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Man, I, I was messed up before I met Jesus. And a little bit messed up after I met Jesus. I know he delivered me from the hands of hell. I know he protected me from death many times. I know he protected me from many, many things that could have brought much more pain even before I knew him. And I got a good idea of that after he changed my life and how much he changed my life. I have no problem returning back to God the first because I would have no first if it weren't for God anyway. And I don't know, maybe you're a little bit more righteous and you've lived a more righteous life than me. And maybe you can't, you can't say the same thing. But I know I can. I, I teach my kids this principle of the tithe. A few years ago, we were at a birthday party. And, and uh, we were sitting there. The night before, I had, Allie, I mean, Naomi got some money. And I said, okay, on Sunday, we need to take 10% into the, to, to the tithe, to, and tithe to the Lord. And I broke it down. I gave her some change. I said, okay, this is a portion of 10%. This is what belongs to the Lord, and this part you can keep. She, she said, well, can I give it all to the Lord? I said, well, yes, you can, but that's, he requires the 10%. If he says give it all, give it all, but 10%. Okay, Daddy, I, I'm going to give 10%. Okay. Well, the next day we're at this birthday party, and I'm bragging, and, and we're at Pete Garcia's house, and, and I'm sitting there telling Pete, because, man, that brings joy to my heart, because my little daughter is getting this young, because I don't want her to be under a curse, y'all. And I'm telling Pete, and he's saying, oh, man, that's, that's awesome. She comes running in to get a drink of water, and I said, hey, Naomi, Naomi, you got to tell Pete what, what you said yesterday about the, about the tithe, remember? She's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the tithe. She, she turns around, she goes, I'm not giving him anything. <laughs> and, and some of you are just like that. And then, and then the, in the last year, we're in our bedroom again, and, and we're saying, okay, she got five. No, we're in the kitchen, and she has $5. She got $5 for something, her birthday or something like that. And I said, okay, Naomi, remember, we got a 10% belongs to the Lord. Return, we return 10%. It all belongs to the Lord, but we return 10%. She goes, okay, well, what do I do? Do I, do I just do I throw it up in the air? And I said, I said, no, but you bring it in and you put it in the little black box at, at church and, and they t he takes it through there. And she goes, wait a minute, the church people get those black boxes. And I'm like, that's how my church is. That's how the people, they just see people taking it. And I start to explain it to her and I'm trying to explain to her what the tithe does and what it means. She goes, I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Another response from my people. Can I tell you where it goes? We had a family that comes in. It's been here for three years, two, three years. And last week, the mom was up here getting their daughter, and, and I stopped during the little gap time, the little time where we, we greet one another. And she said, you know, we're moving in the summer, and we're, she said, Nathan, we weren't, we weren't church people. We didn't go to church. She said, but when we came here, we started attending church here, and, and can I tell you, what we're, what we're sad about the most is we won't find a church like this. So if you don't know where the finances go, it goes to ministering to the lost, ministering to families who aren't in church, to be in church, 
so that their families can be healed, saved, restored, set free, delivered, and living out a godly lifestyle. It's here for you. The, the, the ministry money has been spent here on you, on the, on the influence of the community, on building structures that only serve as ministry opportunities, ministry pieces for people. That's where it goes. And we could do a lot more if everybody caught the heart and really said, God is first. I'll bring in my 10% now because I didn't get it, but I do now. We could be a lot more effective. We could be ministering to a lot more people. There would be more people doing fewer things instead of few, th few people doing more things and getting exhausted and tapped out. And I'm not shaming you. I'm just telling you, giving you a bigger picture of here's what it should look like. And some of you are like, well, I'd do it if Jesus told me, but I don't see Jesus telling me to do it. I'm glad you said that. Because in Luke 11.42, it says, this is Jesus. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. It's in red. So Jesus spoke this. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. We should, we should be tithing, but we need to show justice, mercy, love, the love of God to all mankind. And people will see this and say, well, see, only justice and the love of God matters. No, 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 he didn't say that. In our hearts, we're so against returning monetary items back to the Lord short-minded, short-sighted, not understanding that he's already got the reimbursement check lined up. So I want to pray for you today because we got to get this. And when you get this test, the other tests come easy. But without this test, he can't guide your heart. He can't steer you out of the pit, away from pride for sure, because <laughs> it's a haughty attitude that won't tithe. If I'm offending you, I'm just attacking a problem, not a person, okay? The problem is the pride, the pit, the attitude, the palace, the purity test won't matter. He doesn't have my heart anyway. The, pro the prophetic test, oh, it's really, he's all about people anyway. So if he can't have your heart on finances, he can't guide you on people. So you won't have any influence there. So the prophetic test, yeah, that's out. The power test? Oh, no. No, no. Ain't happening. Because you'll use it for yourself. This is, the, this is the, the stories of Joseph. So, Father, I just pray right now that a spirit of humility move through all of us and that we hear your heart in this area of the tithe of returning back to you in your storehouse, whatever belongs to you. And, Lord, I just pray for peace and grace. I pray for mercy and truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.